There are seven billion nine hundred and ninety nine million nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety eight other people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like what we're doing, you have so many other choices. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida, and this week's episode is Awakenings. Cool. But first, <laughs> but first, but first, because there's a there's a but first of how are you, but we have a but first, but okay. first. Okay. Three reviews this week. Hey, finally, people are reviewing. Three. <laughs> it's only taken nearly I'm three gonna... years. <laughs> Review number one, um, honest, heartfelt discussions mixed in with movie reviews and science, bliss. Aw, that's so sweet. I know. Now, the next one is from my friend Harry. (laughs) The title is Really Increases Appreciation of Cinema. And the review goes as follows. I love how this podcast increased my appreciation of cinema either through a more conscious rewatch of an old movie or introducing me to a new movie. For example, watching Time Cop after hearing the podcast increased my enjoyment of the movie off the charts. Watched everything everywhere all at once last week and wouldn't have seen the movie if it wasn't for the potty. Thanks, team. <laughs> and now, this is review what we're number doing. three. Great movies and Time Cop. <laughs> and- Sure. We're inspiring Review number people. three. Are we influencers, Frida? Wait, are we influencers? We're influencers. We're Look influencing I've people. I've been an influencer. Sure. <laughs> We're influencing people. Cool. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Fantastic. Abby and Frida are mad, funny science people who have inviting conversations about an almost random assortment of films. Surprisingly, surprising that they can even produce this much content and still work as full-time physicists. Impressive, really. (laughs) One of my favorite podcasts. (laughs) And who else would give me a new reason to watch? Time Cop. To watch? Time Cop. (laughs) Frida, way, that might Time be like in, was... <laughs> in nearly three years, that might be your best movie pick. <laughs> and it, it wasn't my pick. I don't know if you remember, like as if I can take I credit. That was a fan pick. Yes, so true. I forgot. That was, that I was forgot a... to come up with the goods. Like I literally forgot. That was a TikTok live panic moment at the end of recording of can anyone recommend something? So that credit goes to the dude who recommended Time Cup. <laughs> yeah. So those are the reviews out the way. So Abby, Very nice. science news plus how the hell are ya? How the Hi. hell are ya? Do you got any science news? I'm good. I'm trying to think, do I have science news? I, I, hadn't, I didn't really think this through. <laughs> What is I doing this week? I did work stuff. 
Well I'm preparing done. for, well, I'm trying to prepare my work for a conference and it's just really funny because it's like, you know, when you're kind of like you submit the abstract and then you're like, yeah, so now I've got to actually like put stuff together. <laughs> and then you're like, maybe I haven't done all the stuff. <laughs> Don't want to give anything away, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so I just, well, when is this episode out? Let me think. Will I be there already? I can't remember. I don't know. Two two and a bit weeks. I'll be... So I think this is out maybe the week before I go. So by the time this episode... Okay, so, so I don't have current news to tell you. But when you are listening to this episode live, I will no doubt be in a state of complete and utter panic, sleepless nights, <laughs> totally stressed out and anxious... And probably still sitting at my computer at like one in the morning trying to understand physics with the absolute fear that I have to go and stand in front of people with a with a scientific poster and be questioned on physics by experts in the field and me going, <laughs> Um, You are a podcaster and I, 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 I don't know if you realize how many skills you've been silently <laughs> accruing that'll make that much easier than you think it's going to be. Like we yeah. improvise Q and A every week, and it will just flow because yeah. you've been practicing the skill a lot, like thinking quickly when people ask questions. That's what we're doing here. The the, the yeah. talk that I did in, in in New Zealand, I was like, wow, my brain was like Psh, with the questions. I even was funny, like and <laughs> and it was yeah. like I was so quick to think of a good joke, and I think it's this podcast. So that's nice. That's good. Yeah, you'll I be hope, great. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. So that's yeah, me. What about you? Fine. I have some great news from science, but I've also, I'm back to school. It's first week back at school. And like, I'm like, I forgot how fucked up it is doing like work and school. And also it's just been crazy getting into it. But you know what really like breaks my heart? Do you know what's the most gut-wrenching thing right now in my life? And, and always is when you contact school books and you don't get it right. When you contact school books and you don't get it right and there are fucking bubbles in the contact. And that's it. You can't read oh, it once you God. put, you know, contacting books. Once you put no, the sorry, books listen, down Frida, the Frida. contact. Frida. You... All I'm hearing is you contacting school books and I'm hearing you phoning up school books. But then you said bubble. What are you talking about? I contact put contact on school books. Do you know what that means? Oh, do you so, guys do that in Ireland? So, so when you put it's the a paper, sticky plastic cover. cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and you try to get it perfect, so they're not stuck with bubbles for the rest of their life. Uh, but you yeah, can't. That's, it's no. really hard, and yeah. the bubbles come, and that's it. That's the the rest of their life. Their school book has bubbles. Yeah, it just is really I think that stressful. That means you failed, but. I failed and but I have great news okay what happened to me on Friday I had a paper accepted to a journal that is so exciting that is so exciting congratulations (laughs) thank you you guys don't understand the level of anxiety stress and work that goes into preparing a paper 
to then have to submit it for publication and like and then getting reviews back and waiting to find out if it will actually be accepted like it's a long stressful process this is a huge huge accomplishment congratulations yeah two years I had to submit it to four different journals I just want to tell you it was rejected from three different journals uh, that that's how long I've been doing this. This was the first thing that I did on this job, right? Mm. The first project I did in the job when you were there, we, there was yeah. you, you were there. That was hard <laughs> to produce something, and I produced something, and it was naive because I it it wasn't good. And over the two years, it was rejected, and then I've had to rework it based on the reviewer comments and rejection. Resubmit, resubmit, resubmit. Yeah. Fourth journal more of three three more reviewers on the fourth journal finally i had one like i it ruined me it almost and i wanted to give up so many times and my supervisors were like you have to publish your shit so that people can see your work getting more sophisticated finally it's off my fucking desk so come monday all the work associated with that paper is going up to the cloud (laughs) <laughs> off my computer and I'm deleting it from my life. So yeah. that's my <laughs> data up Forget to the cloud. Forget about it forever. <laughs> Forget about it. Amazing. Okay. That is exciting. Um, thank you. Let's get into this movie, which is <gasps> Awakenings. Yes. Directed by Penny Marshall. It's a cool name. Okay. Let's go. I'm going to make this screen nice and big. Awakenings. Awakenings. Here's my summary. Take a time traveler, but like make it science. <laughs> it's I get it. I get time it. Travel, I get it. But a science. No, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Took you a second. Took me a second, but I get it. Dr. Malcolm Sayer enters a job in The Garden, The Garden, a medical role requiring little clinical experience because it's looking after patients that are practically comatose, some for over 40 years. But Sayer finds them much more interesting than all that and begins to observe them. He theorizes that they are suffering from an extreme form of Parkinson's disease and eventually administers to them the the drug L-DOPA, a recent medical development. One by one, the patients begin to wake up to a new world and nothing goes wrong and it turns out perfectly. Just kidding. The brief joy is met by anguish and despair as the patients one by one return to a comatose state this time permanent the end cool (laughs) okay let's (laughs) chat abby what did you think of this movie okay i right so this is (sighs) i you know that i don't like a certain type of movie you know yeah. that I'm very uncomfortable with, like, I don't really like very dramatic movies. I don't really like movies that are going to make you cry. Um, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, it was just a movie that was 
so completely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking, but so incredibly sweet at the same time. What I liked was they didn't over-dramatize the, the negative aspect of it to build you up and then and put you on this roller coaster thing. It was just like you didn't have like the evil board against him. It was it was everyone was kind of on board the whole way through. You had this beautiful thing that happened. Then you had this heartbreaking thing that happened and everyone was affected by it. And I just thought it was the story was told really well and I really, really liked it. And I cried a lot. Wow, that what that's a beautiful summary, a beautiful review. I don't think I can really add anything to that because I agree. I think it was it really was had a lot of restraint is the word that I would use. It could have gone overly by way of Patch Adams overly sweet and kind of saccharine, mm. but it didn't. It told the story in a human it was just a human story yeah. with human people. And it's sad, but there was joy. And you're right. I can't add, really add anything to what you've said. That was well said. Thank you. I agree. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. And I wept like yeah. a baby. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So I was weeping at the end, like, of all of them. Just And they were, oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, broke, it broke my heart more than the contact. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to cut that out, but it broke my heart more than when I contact books and I don't do it well. Um, um, okay, should we I, just talk yeah, about you, cast? Or, yeah, what, yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, I just think it's interesting just to point out that this is your second based on a true story about a doctor and his patients, but it's a total improvement on Patch Adams. Because it's also your second based on a true story about a doctor and his patients with Robin Williams, but way better than Patch Adams. I know. Do you know why? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? You know what? You know why? You know, you know why. You work in because a hospital I'm like, and you don't I, like I don't science, science fiction science or space movies? Fiction, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it's not horror or aliens, I'm like, I don't... And like, but I this is love why it's science. a good balance, because I love the space movies, and, that's, and I would I never pick any of the movies that you pick, so... That's why it works. I, I like real stories. There's a movie that's coming up that I want to do. I can't wait to do. Also about someone with Parkinson's disease. But I, I like this is our Parkinson's movie. I can't do two. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's talk about cast. Yes. We have the two, the two Robs. We have Robin mm. Williams and Robert De Niro. <clears throat> We've spoken about Robin Williams before in his humanity, and mm. I've just mentioned the word restraint, which I feel like applies to his performance because he just holds back, man. Yeah. He holds so far back that I'm like, why did they cast him? Because he's not, you know, like he's amazing, but it's yeah. not his usual self. And then when it comes to the part where he is sort of like crying, when it, when he comes out his emotion, I was like, oh, yeah. Like this is only a Robin Williams thing. And when he's really, he starts laughing and crying like, it's so beautiful yeah. when, when his emotion comes out. What did you think about his performance? I thought he was absolutely exceptional. I loved every moment of him in this movie. It's like he was so gentle. He was so kind. He wasn't, um, you know, they didn't, there was, there was bits of humor that I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute that I really enjoyed, but I thought the level and the tone of how they applied the humor was more for levity rather than, um about like oh because robin williams is funny 
it's just one of those moments yeah. that reminds you how wonderful of an actor he is in serious roles as well. And I just, I thought he was fantastic. And I did genuinely write down, I want to know why De Niro was nominated for an Oscar and not Robin Williams, because I thought he was far, far superior in this movie. Yeah, oh, he was, he was really magical. Um, and then we have Robert De Niro. And you know why the Oscars rewarded one and not the other? Because I think the Oscars tends to reward these like over like performances as opposed to the ones that are quiet with more restraint, mm-hmm. just honestly don't get the attention they deserve. It's much harder to yeah. have restraint than sometimes to be like ticking and screaming. There was one, there was a moment that I picked out that I thought was so good, which was when he first uses his voice, the way he does it to me really was like somebody talking that they don't know what they're going to sound like and they haven't used their voice and they're kind of feeling it out. I thought there were moments like that that were so good where he he sort of uh, sounds it out as like, oh, my God, what's it going to sound like? Okay. There was a few things like that that I thought he did so well. Um, Okay. Uh, Any other cast members you want to – Oh, God, I forgot to look up her name, but I absolutely adore the nurse, Eleanor. I've got to look her up too. Adore her. Eleanor Costello. You want to, yeah, look yeah up, I'm doing it I'll now. look her up real quick. Okay, do it. I loved her. Oh, I genuinely, I just, I just, I thought she was so excellent. I loved how she was on his side. Uh, Julie Kavner. Yeah, she was good. Oh, also just like Peter Stormare just like randomly turned up for like a second. It's like, cool. He's coming sure. up soon. I'll bring you that up. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's just like, that's so weird. Wait, hang on. Bradley Whitford was in this. What? Sorry, now I'm actually just looking at the cast. He plays one of the doctors. He must have been just like at the table or something. Anywho, yeah, sorry. That's that's kind of that's kind of all I have really. Yeah, he was one of the doctors. Yes, the two doctors. Mm. And then the other one was Peter Hurd. Um I had I loved the mother. Ruth Nelson oh, plays yeah. the mother. <clears throat> she was so amazing. There were a lot of old-timey actresses here, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. One, and again, like this moment, I picked this out, was when she's like, what's there for him? What's here for him? And doctors say it was like, you are. And she makes this face. Honestly, it's the little, it's like when you see the actors are really experiencing the emotions such that they have these little micro expressions that come out, which yeah. can only happen when you're really and it's like it's so amazing when they act like that it's not yeah it's not the big shouty stuff it's when they have like a little twitch that it really feels like a real emotion and she was full of like she was amazing and the other person was i thought rose judith melina played rose i thought she was um, like exuberant and also another old-timey actress as a Um. few all these old old timey people yeah i really liked her actually you just you made me think about this actually and yeah i'm sorry because i know i'm looking at the cast keith diamond who plays anthony again yeah. just just so full like they were all just seem to have such sweetness and compassion about them and i just loved the excitement there's like we could talk about scenes and stuff but like yeah i just there was um you're right i think that i think everyone was like Anne mara as miriam Anne mara yeah 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 uh, miriam Alice Drummond as Lucy, like just, you know. They were yeah, all amazing. There, there really was. It was a beautiful, beautiful cast. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into bits you want to okay. highlight. I've got so 
many. I've got one, two, three, <laughs> four, and then like a fifth thing, which is itself a list. So okay. um, you want to give me a bit that you want to highlight? Oh, wait, who just said it was Marge Simpson? Who was Marge Simpson? The voice. Ooh, who's Marge Simpson's voice? Is that Anne Mira? No, no, no. Impossible. <laughs> Julie Kavner. Julie Kavner is Marge Simpson. What? What? Oh my I gosh. Love this shit. And Thank this you, Simon. That's why I, I knew her voice. I was like, I remember, I was like, her voice is really familiar. That accent. How do I not recognize her face? I kept looking at her face on the screen and going, like, I know her. Like, how do I, but like her face is what? Like, I don't, she's not like familiar to me when I look at her. But I was like, but that voice is familiar. She must sound like someone. I can't believe that. Simon, thank you. Marge Simpson. Oh, she's wonderful. Great. Michael thinks he loves you. Okay. Abby. Thank you, Michael. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's uh, do some yeah. best bits. Do you want to hit me with the best bit or a scene um, that you'd like to highlight? Okay. Let me have a look. There's a there's the great scene when um when he's talking to the doctors at first what is it Doctor Hurd what's the guy we didn't mention him at all but he's like um John Hurd Doctor Kaufman total James Rapporn John Hurd a total James Rapporn yeah one hundred percent um so he's talking to him and and he's saying that like he's basically at the beginning you know where he's just like listen it's not like you know. It, yeah, she caught the ball. It's not a thing. It's just a reflex thing, whatever. And they walk out and he just goes, if you were right, I'd agree with you. I don't know why, but I just thought that was a great line. <laughs> great line. Another good, I think when there's a point where he's getting very excited and he's like, oh no, no, this is before the speech to the fundraisers, the fundraising thing. And he, and he goes, where's my glasses? And, and Eleanor's like on your face. <laughs> a great moment. Uh, um, what else have you got this is this is when everyone's kind of woken up right <laughs> i can't remember i don't know who the actor was i don't know which character it was but she's running and there's a nurse running after her we need to take your blood pressure i've been sitting down for 25 years you missed your chance <laughs> just thought it was really <laughs> funny <laughs> i was gonna say the whole the awakening scenes i was like yeah. magical that was mm. also i wanted to mention that but um another moment that i just thought was beautiful was when Leonard leaves the hospital and walks down the stairs very shakily there's a toddler walking up the stairs and they kind of pass each other and look at each other and keep going like just this very small moment that honestly it just filled me with this feeling of like life and hope and possibility and just joy and like I just all the all the beauty of life so that's yeah. all, the, the, that's the feeling that I was filled up with in this incredibly small moment oh that's so beautiful what else you got yeah beautiful the oh and yeah the the part then for me was just the it was just the not not the ending ending but um the moment when he gets dressed up to go see Rose and uh like he started to degrade and um and he but he's still trying to make himself look nice to go and see her 
And then they sit down and then he tells her he can't see her anymore and he gets up and she grabs him and they dance and he starts to kind of calm down when they're dancing. I was bawling my eyes out, completely bawling my eyes out. Oh, and this and the photography at that point. Yeah. Oh my god, cinematography at that point. It, the camera was... completely changed to a subjective sort of thing. Like it's there and it's doing the like shot, reverse shot. But it, when they start dancing and it calms down, the camera just totally changes, and it, it, you're just in this inter- internal kind of inner inner peace and stillness, oh. and and being in the moment. And the, it's just beautiful. That was just beautiful yeah it was really beautifully done uh i agree yeah that was Is that it, it? yeah that's it okay so here's got a list of just stuff that they missed while they were down and it's great the moon landing there's a fucking oh, moment yeah. when he walks past a picture of the moon landing and i'm like jesus imagine <laughs> imagine missing the moon landing imagine going comatose as a kid waking up they've landed on the moon unbelievable <laughs> mini skirts when oh, he yeah. sees a mini skirt and he's like, whoa, <laughs> crazy. Commercial airliners. Oh. And, and also with the with the airplane going over his head, the way he sort of bobs down, it was so right. well done. The way he kind of does this little sort of protective mm. crouch, it just felt exactly how you'd behave if you didn't know what was going on. Uh, pollution. Oh. How good was that? He's in the he's in the water, and and Doctor Sayer is like, "There's this thing. It's called pollution. Oh. This water isn't what it was like when you were a kid. It's this. It's pollution. It's a thing. Oh, I missed it. So good. <laughs> and alcohol being legal. Rose. Rose being like, is this legal? <laughs> is it legal now, or is it legal again? Phenomenal. It was great. Phenomenal. Because the late '60s was a, was a crazy change in America. It's just an, it's a crazy time to wake up. Sorry, can I just say I said Rose, and it's not Rose; it's Paula. Sorry, I got there. I got there. I got them totally confused there. I thought that the girl he goes to see is Rose, and it's not; it's Paula. No. So when he goes Rose to see Paula, the and then uh, so when he gets all dressed up yeah. to go see Paula. Sorry, I was just like, wait, yeah, what? <laughs> what have I done? No. <laughs> okay. Sorry clarify all right let, let's move on to th- that's okay let's get into some themes i think okay. the movie is about dignity i mean it's also just the idea of uh, uh compassion in medical care i suppose mm. and sort of what the value of the human life and the human experience yeah. i'm not sure like what what it, what a happy story really is what, what uh, i don't know I, I haven't written anything down but it's sort of like it's it's not just about li- living um, continuing to keep somebody alive, but about the, the dignity and the quality of their life and the ability to make choices. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. But what do you think? I don't really write anything. Yeah, about it, I just yeah no, I just I just thought it was a beautiful way of just kind of acknowledging um, that we don't know. So what like what does it take from you to just put on music that you think they'd like or? That beautiful scene at the end where she's doing, um, is it, uh, who, who, who was it? Like, I have to get new makeup. And then at the end, they're doing their makeup and, you know, making mm. sure that Lucy is by the window so she can see outside. Things like that, you know, it's just, it's showing that you, you can have care and compassion and understanding of these people and, and make their lives just even like a tiny bit better. 
if you take the time to pay attention because yeah. it's like they were so forgotten about and he he is like you can learn from anybody you can learn from anybody if you want to yeah learn from people to, and it's like once they saw their personalities they kind of knew a little bit better how to care for them i suppose because yeah. they're yeah. all individuals they're all different but they were sort of bulked together and forgotten about exactly so i think it's like the, the the care and attention you can give somebody and what you can learn from them and also the fact that there's more ways to interact with someone by just talking, you know, that you can interact with someone in so many different ways if you try to adapt to their abilities. To, yeah. to, to slow down for one minute and, and go on someone's level and try to see a way of communicating with them that is in line with their abilities and not to just dismiss somebody because they can't come up to your level, you know, they can't come to your level of ability. So yeah, sort of for all people with different, differently abled people, and then we can stop, slow down, try to understand them, and not just say, "Oh, well, you can't hear me, so um, I'll just talk to that person." You know? Yeah. It's like no, you can you can go on someone's level and take take the time, and this is like a very extreme example of that. Yeah. So maybe that's the message: is like uh, differently abled people and taking the time to get you know learn their inner life and mm. and and how to communicate with them. But but enough of that. There's a lot of tropes in this film, and so we have to get into our section trope of the week. Abby, <laughs> there's so many tropes that I'm exploding. I have two tropes, and then I have an anti-trope. Do you have a trope of the week? Well, then why don't you just give us tropes, and I will try to remember the movie and maybe write something down on this section that says trope Abby that I didn't write anything down in. <laughs> Again, Abby. <laughs> okay. Trope Why do I keep one. doing this? What's happened to me recently? I keep not picking out tropes. It's like I've forgotten it's a thing. <laughs> we're tired. It's because we're fucking tired. Okay. Science logic jumps. Hopscotch. Hopscotch. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We have to make a pattern. The yeah. pattern stops. <laughs> so we got to draw in the squares. We got to draw the fill in the squares in. That's it. Fill the squares in. Come on, let's go. Fill in the squares in. I mean, do you know what? That would have made more sense if he was sitting down watching like a chessboard or something. Do you know? Like, why hopscotch? Hopscotch, paint the floor. Because they go forward. (laughs) Because the the wheel of the hopscotch pattern propels you in that that direction. See, you you figured out the connection within that. I did not. (laughs) Because I've been sitting on it. Hopscotch. Hopscotch. The second one is the movie lecture. Like, it's not 30 seconds. It's not a 30-second movie lecture, but boys are a fucking movie lecture. <laughs> Randomly, enter Prita Stromer. He's jabbing at a molecule yeah. diagram with a stick. He's like, by adding L to the dopa, we get L-dopa. <laughs> and like I said, by administering L-dopa, and that was all he said. That was it. I forgot. Hashtag movie lectures. I totally forgot about it. See, you picked them all out. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. And then I have an amazing anti-trope. Wait, I did think of one thing that I... uh, So I was going to bring this up a bit later, but I guess like it is a thing because I did find the jump from like one person to all of them extreme. You know, it's like, it's working with Leonard. Let's give it to everybody. Like really? Do you, do you, are you sure everyone's going to react the same way? Is there not like you know? It's like it's because they just wanted that scene of walking in and everyone's awake. <laughs> like okay, but guys, come on. 
This could be dangerous. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Hi, I'm Leonard. It worked for me. And yeah. everyone's like, sign me up. My anti-trope is with Paula when Paula is like, do you work here? And he's like, no, I live here. Because in a shittier movie, he would be like, pretend. Yes. yes. And then the rest of the movie, he would pretend to be a doctor and it would be like, Mrs. Doubtfire, but I'm a, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then she'd find out and then it would be really horrible moment. And uh, yeah. No, he just said, I live, I live here. Yeah. I'm a patient. You're a patient. Yeah. But I'm okay now. And then it was like, I'm not okay. I yeah. love that. They just went straight to... I was kind of scared when she said that. I was like, oh, mm. come on. I don't want... I can't... Yeah. yeah. It's like those things are... Like like you said, it's... In, in a shittier movie, it's like... I don't know why they feel the need to do that. To bring you on this dramatic journey, which is really unnecessary. You know? You're just like, why why bother fucking doing that? So I love that they didn't. It was so, yeah. it was so much nicer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, science time. Science. Okie dokie. Malcolm Sayer is based on Oliver Sacks. Real person that we're going to talk about. He is based on a real person. It was Dr. Oliver Sacks, um, who has many other awards from the Queen and whatnot. I'm sure many other titles. Um... We, Oliver Sacks was actually the technical advisor on the movie and mm. Robin Williams and him became friends for life after this. Aww. And so do you, do you know much about Oliver Sacks? Uh, do you know what? It's so weird. I know nothing about him, but that name is crazy familiar. Oh, okay. Well, yes, he was a nerd. This is a just like different from the the scene when he, you know, the way that portrays him as not being good, good around people and, you know, being like a nerd's nerd. He was a nerd, but he was also like, sort of like flamboyant and he had crazy hobbies. He rode motorcycles. He did deadlifting weights. Like he, he was a really interesting character and not definitely not your typical movie I'm a nerd. I, mm. I, I'm an introvert and f- super fascinated by people as well. Um, and he, with his own words, describes very well, like he, he was gay and he had a lot of repression. He had a lot of trauma coming out and a lot of repression because of that. He put himself under a lot of repression for uh, like really closing out people so the whole thing you know while I'm watching this with the nurse I was like thinking about yeah like Oliver Sacks closed himself off to the possibilities of love for mm-hmm. a huge chunk of his life because of the trauma he experienced coming out okay. and he does he um yeah and um eventually he did open himself up to love and he wrote a book of essays because he died from um cancer a few years ago and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and he wrote these essays, this book of essays that was published in a book called Gratitude, where he talks about his road to being open to love and his trauma with coming out and everything like that. So the, the way his character is portrayed, I felt like really true to how he describes himself. And Robin Williams sort of famously did mimic him quite well, his mannerisms. Um, yeah, and so that, that book of essays is like, beautiful and, and definitely worth reading um so that's just his personal thing but 
Oliver Sacks was a lousy lab researcher. Another yeah. thing that <laughs> those earthworms. The movie doesn't quite get right. Yeah. Okay. He he um he his style of practicing clinical research, uh, clinical medicine, did not match up with the mode of the day at all. And so you know, it did suit him sort of in some ways to be in a lab. Um, because you know the, the way people practice medicine at the time was really look look treat the disease, not the person, <laughs> Pat Adams. Mm. But no, really, like really encourage you to look at the disease um, phenotype. But he, um, uh, you know, wasn't like that at all. Um, he wasn't just interested in studying disease, but he was really interested in how each person was impacted by the disease specifically right and that seemed to him be a subject of endless fascination like this disease how does it show up in this person's life how did it affect their day-to-day life how does it manifest differently in each person because of that person's lived experience because of that person's passions right like i'm you know with the music i'm passionate about this music or this music or this hobby or this that and so it manifests differently somehow and he had compassion towards each patient that was totally unique from other doctors and yet super hard to maintain within sort of medical institutions. Um, and so that's sort of why he had this kind of struggle with really practicing within the institutions as, as we know them to, to be. Um, so this is a quote about him. No, this is a quote that he said. So it is a question, and this is about neurological patients. He's a neurologist I haven't mentioned, sorry. Um, patients with chronic neurological disorders. He says, it is a question of not just medication, but the whole business of living a meaningful and enjoyable life with support systems, community, self-respect, and being respected by others, which has to be addressed. Beautiful quote Mm. uh, by him, which I know you will feel good about given our conversations around uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. (laughs) And I especially like the being respected, you know, like how can we train ourselves to respect people even if they have like grotesque symptoms you know that we sort of are put off by and want to distance ourselves from people he says no no don't do that now his lab work i just want he was a lousy lab person but i just he did these two positions two positions um research positions and both of them were projects based on myelin myelin is is a substance that encases nerves and when you have degradation of them you sort of have a poor like neurological function um, it's called demyelination. Um, and now with the earthworms, he doesn't say this, but actually he smashed up buckets of earthworms. Oh, like, that's terrible. To extract I'm one sorry. ounce of myelin. Oh. It wasn't quite clear about that. but um, And then, you know, he sm- he got one ounce of myelin by smashing up earthworms, which Sachs proceeded to misplace the ounce of myelin. Which was no. one of several mishaps. Um, he was. They said he was dutiful to research, but a menace in the lab, according to one of his supervisors. <laughs> hey, listen, I know people like that too. So, you know. 
The movie says he's more of a lab guy, but actually he was super, super fascinated by people. I mean, it doesn't mean he was good with people, but he was yeah. really fascinated by people and they loved him. His patients loved him. Now, he had books and, and he's got a lot of books and a lot of works that showed a lot of interest in the lives of the people he treated. Um, and his interest in observing diseases like very well shown in the movie. Um now, this is an interesting thing as to why he sort of became an author was because, like, exemplified by what happens in Awakenings, it wasn't really, like, seen as proper experiments such that it would be publishable in scientific journals, in medical journals. You know, there wasn't really quantitative data. People didn't really right. regard what he did as something which could be published within the sort of institutional medical journals. So he wrote it in a book. So that's what prompted him to write the book Awakenings, um, which he describes in enormous detail and amazing accuracy what happened. And that became the way he communicated his findings with the world. He wrote books because he was just outside of the norm and the things he mm. did wasn't in in such a way that was regarded as being like advances in medicine but that's what he saw and that's how he regarded people so he wrote books he wrote loads and loads of books where he fascinatingly outlines the most you know interesting rare yeah. neurological disorders um yeah and people learn from him and continue to learn from him and continue to be inspired with him all the time it's also today um so he's a yeah he's just a, a great asset to science and medicine he sounds like an incredibly wonderful person apparently he really was mm. uh amazing i'd like to read and his book i think read him there's so many yeah. good ones um he celebrates his birthday with the periodic table so it was like his lead birthday was like his last birthday or some shit. Like, and yeah, like he, he's a real amazing nerd. You'll appreciate it. I My do love birthday. a good nerd. Okay. Are we ready to get into science? Do you want to talk yeah. about Malcolm Sayer more? Um, no, I think, I think, um, I think I just, I liked, I liked him in the movie. Like I liked the portrayal of the character and I like having learned more. I like that they changed his name. From what you've told mm, me. So it wasn't just, yeah. Yeah, because sex. I guess like saying, um, like uh, make it, making it be Oliver Sacks then makes it have to have a lot more, I guess, uh, oh God, I can't think of the word. What's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, responsibility to be more accurate yeah. to his life and everything like that. So I guess like making it say, or it's not being disrespectful to Sax's life, but it's not being, um, it's not making it too mm. biographical, I guess. And stuff. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so I like, totally. I like that they did that. I think that was, I think that was a good touch. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't about him. It was about the, the, the mm. story, um, time traveling. And yeah, yeah he, he was just a part of the story. It was, yeah, it wasn't a biopic, which no one, no one yeah. wants that shit anyway. All right, there's so much amazing stuff happened in this movie and we got to go through like, there's so much to talk about. I've got a lot to okay. edit, but fuck it. I'll deal with it. <laughs> the story in the movie is true, including the people it portrays, including the ball throwing, like everything is true. It's based on the book Awakenings, the same name written by Sachs about the events in the summer of 69. And <laughs> let's start first. We've got to go back to the pandemic, the epidemic, excuse me, that started it all. Mm-hmm. Because these patients were originally patients that had encephalitis lethargica. 
That yeah. was where their catatonia or comatose state originated from. And this epidemic went from 1916 to 1930, and it was sort of overtaken by the influenza pandemic, which was kind of why everyone forgot about it. But an estimated half a million people were affected by it. And there's a lot of mystery surrounding it because of what I said, but the flu epidemic really took over. The symptoms were very varied. Um, you know, didn't present the same from person to person that all pointed to like one cause. Okay. So I guess it was hard. There's a lot more mystery around it. Symptoms were lethargic sleepiness, which induced a coma-like state and muscle rigidity. They were both big features. Now, about a third of people died from respiratory failure because of neurological dysfunction and other causes of death, but hundreds of thousands of people survived and some of those people went on to develop post-encephalitic Parkinsonian syndrome, which trapped some of these people in their bodies for decades, remaining in a sleep-like state for like sometimes 40 years, wow. which is the group of patients we see. And by and large, they were just put away and forgotten about. So when the development started happening with Parkinson's, it, it was just like people just forgot about these people. It wasn't wow. like they just they were forgotten about locked away and nobody remembered until enter oliver Sachs, who was working at the chronic disease wing of the beth abraham hospital in the bronx um and he did not forget about them and he was like wait a minute you know maybe this and this goes together but now we have to stop to talk about Parkinson's disease and L-DOPA just so we can follow like what yeah, is Parkinson's okay. disease what is L-DOPA why does it connect to these catatonic patients okay so what is Parkinson's disease like what's actually happening there that causes those symptoms and why does that relate to these people why does a lot of movement relate to no movement like what's going on here um, now I have learned a lot about this. There's a lot of brain chemistry here, which is just way beyond what I can possibly understand and explain, but little bits and pieces, maybe I can sort of sprinkle in a bit of brain chemistry here, but it's so fucking complicated. Um, although I guess it's what I'm working in. So this is helpful for me to actually learn this stuff. Um, okay. The neurons that are responsible for coordinating movement are located in what's called the striatum. And that receives information from two places, the neocortex, which is responsible for taking in sensory information and making a plan. And then the substantia nigra, that sends dopamine. And that is responsible for motivation and coordination. So again, you've got the striatum that makes the movement happen, but it receives a plan and then the motivation and the sort of to actually coordinate it comes from dopamine. So what happens in Parkinson's is the neurons connecting the substantia nigra to the striatum progressively degenerate. Okay. I.e. as much as a person might be like, there's something in the way I should move. (laughs) There's no dopamine coming in to help that movement actually happen. Um, so and that gets progressively worse, worse. So there's a progressively lower level of dopamine. And without going into too much detail, there's a chain reaction that happens from that, right? For example, with this like Parkinson's symptoms, 
what you end up, dopamine depletion leads to increased acetylcholine release, which activates something called mus. I have to say these words because it's going to come mm-hmm. up later. Okay. You have depletion of dopamine. You have an increased acetylcholine release. So this gets released more and that activates something else called muscarinic muscarinic receptors, activates them more. And that is responsible for smooth motor control. So when they overstimulate those, you get tremors and rigid and rigidity. I love that it's like tremors and stiffness. Um, and therefore slowed movement because movement becomes incredibly difficult because of all these tremors and rigidity. So as you know, we have the dopamine depletion. So, but then that sort of chain reaction. So you get this overstimulation of this thing, which just causes, um, poor motor control. Um, and the medication tends to target dopamine stores, right? Which is where we get to L-dopa. So it wants to replenish dopamine because that's kind of the root cause so we, that's where we arrive at L-dopa, levodopa, which is sort of a precursor to dopamine. It's not dopamine. It is something which stimulates the production of dopamine. Okay. Now, why not just dopamine? It's because it, dopamine does not cross the blood-brain barrier, which is sort of a collection of cells which stop things from crossing into the brain. But L-dopa can. So the idea is it crosses over and then starts to stimulate the production of dopamine. Um, and the, the idea is to cross the barrier without actually de- degrading L-dopa. And there are drugs that are sort of then also have been developed over the years to ensure a safe journey into the brain from okay. the, over the blood brain barrier. So you have this sort of central idea of stimulating dopamine and then lots of developments over the years that make it tra- go over the blood brain barrier without degrading. And then the other thing is once you make the dopamine, um, that can also break down. So there are also more drugs that ensure that that stops as well. So there's a lot of drugs basically to help L-dopa on the way and just stay in the brain to be effective for longer. So you don't need to kind of keep redosing. Okay. So that's been a lot of the developments are around this sort of additional drugs and enzymes and agents so that it can be administered and be effective. Um, okay. okay. So, all right. Let me just, um, what we're talking about then is, so the, the symptoms yep. of, so we get the, the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, which are like the, um, the overstimulation, which leads to shaking and rigidity. Um, well, it's the lack of dopamine. Yeah. So, yeah. but, but, but you were saying that it was the, there's a chain reaction which leads yeah. to sort of this overstimulation of this muscarine, yeah. whatever. So, the hell so it we is. have yeah. this um, the the visual that we see, or like the shaking. you know yeah the shaking and the rigidity and stuff. Um, normally, it's the dopamine that helps send the message for the motor control. Coordinator. Or dopamine is yeah, okay, coordinator. So yeah. Dopamine is required for the coordination and, and what's happening in these patients is that there's degradation of the connection. Sorry. Yeah. Like as in, yeah, it's, it's basically, I would say it's, it's motivation and coordination. Okay. So the lack of coordination is almost like, cause without the dopamine, there's a chain reaction that starts, which results in the too much this, too much this, and the results in poor motor control. 
So the okay. dopamine is essentially the center for um, like motivation. I'll get into that a little bit more. Okay. In a but bit. then we okay. we know that like in order to produce the dopamine, you need L dopa, as you said, is the is the um, is the precursor to it, and uh, so uh, as a kind of a way to try to mitigate it or to try to force the stimulation of dopamine, they apply this drug, which is this L dopa drug. But then yeah. that obviously needs a lot of other drugs as well, as you said, in order to That's make right. sure that it doesn't degrade or that the dopamine doesn't degrade. And yeah, it's it's not as simple as mm. just going, "Hey, here, take this one thing." Done. That's right. So yeah, okay. That's what a lot of the research is like: how to optimize that. Yeah. As opposed to like different ideas, it's it's like how to make it better and better. How to do this without doing that. How to do this without degrading that. How to not. I feel okay. like that's the reality of a lot of pharma pharmacology is that kind of thing. Now yeah. there's other drugs because this is obviously stimulating the production of dopamine, but as um, Parkinson's pr- progresses, there's just less neurons capable of doing that. You know what I mean? So eventually, right. it doesn't do anything. <clears throat> Um, so you're trying to get more, but eventually there's is so much degradation that it can't be done. So then there's another class of drugs that just mimic dopamine itself. Okay. Um, so that's like another category. And there's another category of drugs. Remember that I spoke about the fact that the chain reaction of less dopamine leads to the over uh, stimulation of um, muscaran- muscaranic muscarinic receptors Mm -hmm. that causes the movement so instead of targeting the root cause which is dopamine yeah it just goes straight for the symptoms and it it these drugs are called anti-muscarinic agents that block that yeah overstimulation so that just goes more directly to the cause of the and it controls the poor motor control directly so that's another class of drugs so there's different categories of drugs um, so it's like L-Dopa and friends, um, which are fake dopamine. So L-Dopa and their friends, yeah. the vehicles for L-Dopa, there's fake dopamine stuff. And then there's the, as- uh, the anti-muscarinic agents. Um, and there's other stuff too, but that's kind of enough on the brain chemistry stuff and like okay. constant developments and refinements happening all the time. Um, but there's no cure for Parkinson's yeah. and there's no one pill to cure it and the movie yeah. kind of shows us that the idea of like a oh, magic pill is going to change it all that that's a, like a pipe dream and um you know it's sort of dangerous to think that because you know um yeah like there's always going to be side effects and all that we yeah. can talk about the side effects in a minute but abby there's one more treatment for parkinson's mm. that i haven't mentioned today but it's come up before not once but twice what is it what is it abby it's that's right. You said it. It's deep brain stimulation, of or as course. I like to call it, the deep brain scratch. Yeah. My favorite therapy. <laughs> deep brain stimulation is really like this next frontier yeah. in Parkinson treatment, um, and that helps patients that have Parkinson's for years and years and years have responded to medication, but um, there's can be massive gaps off time. I think where it just doesn't work and your symptoms come back. And that can really help with the stiffness and the slowness and the tremors, but not for everybody and not all the time. And a massive side effect of DBS is worsen cognitive symptoms, unfortunately. So memory um, Mm. and so on. Um, And if you want to do DBS, they do crazy extensive assessments to really be like, what are you off the drugs? What are you on the drugs? Imaging, blah, 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 blah. And they 
do the surgery, which is they insert electrodes, like wires, one or two into the place responsible for controlling movement. And you remain awake because they can make sure they're in the right spot. Mm. You have to be awake so they can ask, ask you questions. And once they connect them, I didn't know this. I thought they just poke you once in the spot and you're like, whoa, no, they stay in there and you get a bat battery operated device that's placed usually around the collarbone that's the nearest st stimulator and that delivers continuous electric pulses constant and then they get then they just adjust the shit out of it but like it's constantly sending electric pulses to control your movement and i saw on youtube people turn it off and you can see immediately their tremors wow. their symptoms come back like wow. immediately yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's constantly working. Wow. So much. Do you know that so I almost crazy. did a PhD in Parkinson's? Oh, really? Yeah. I was I was oh, I had man. I had a place at Imperial College London, um but I didn't have funding. Um and uh but the project was to because I had done some soft robotics stuff, so the project was basically centered around developing a a robotic system that would um, investigate the muscle contractions um, to try to understand what's actually happening on the muscular level. Uh, so it was an mm. idea of using this um, creating, like creating an actual robotic arm sort of thing that could that could replicate and see if we could uh, replicate the muscle contractions and behaviors and then try to trace it back using, um, yeah, it was all like computational morphology and and yeah amazing and i didn't they do have i didn't apply a, for funding and i went to uh, australia to do stroke instead and now i'm at oxford doing plasma acceleration <laughs> um parkinson's is track. the second most common neurological disorder the first one being alzheimer's it's really mm. really really common and yeah they do have stuff which um or it does automatic monitoring of symptoms with like yeah. developed technologies that automatic like apps actually get an app on your phone there's a lot of support um no like thanks in no little part to michael j fox foundation FYI. yeah um and i've been thinking you know, about him the entire time you've been talking <laughs> i have not stopped thinking about mj fox <laughs> we're still not back because we're talking about parkinson's and this movie isn't about parkinson's so we have to now mm. draw the connection yeah now, there's no okay. cure so we talk about um there's some um, side effects. We see some side effects in this movie, right? Yeah. Of, but L-Dopa, when, when in, in, given to people with Parkinson's, they do have symptoms that like aggression, big appetite for food and sex left out of this movie and tics. So there are side effects. Okay. okay so let's, why the ball catching? Like, let's draw, let's draw the connections yeah. now to what is the connection. Okay. So we've explained the movement when movement wants to happen, the dopamine essentially is responsible for coordinating the action, mm -hmm. not the planning, not the will the, Yeah. like as in the will. So I won't say will it's the plan. You have your proprioceptors that go, okay, there's the thing I have to go up yeah. the step. I know what I need to do. And then the, the dopamine makes that shit happen. Right. Yep. Okay. So literally dopamine is responsible for motivation, our motivation, like literally Okay. motivating you to do the thing that you know you're supposed to do. 
And when you have a serious depletion of dopamine, you essentially have no motivation to do anything at all. At all. It's not just that you can't carry out movement, but like nothing, which is why the patients would slowly, this is the theory, I mean, they slipped into a catatonic state. There's no will, well, maybe will is the wrong word, but there's no motivation to do anything at all because the dopamine is so seriously depleted. I guess the fact that it's called the happy hormone dopamine comes from the idea that it gives us the, the motivation to do anything anything at all so the you think about someone who's depressed they have no motivation yeah uh, to do anything uh, like it really is responsible for motivating us because that's sort of it makes the thing happen so that that is where the, this sort of catatonia comes from is because they just can't do that they can't summon up that motivation or neurological sense to actually go i want i want to go to the window and look out but can't make it happen yeah. okay um or you go there's a window there's light uh i can see the light i know that if i walk forward that's the thing okay dopamine get the everything coordinated let's go and the dopamine isn't there okay so the ball thing Okay, so what's the thing with the ball? The idea that they borrow the will of the ball. The first time he said that, I was like, shut the fuck up. This is obviously bullshit. Bullshit. Because I'm such a smart ass. Bullshit. It's actually really well, it's actually very Saxian. It's really well phrased because if their failure to move is directly a consequence of not being able to coordinate the plan that your neocortex has drawn up that's not relevant when it comes to something flying at you like something else so it's not like you go i'd like to throw the ball to get into the hoop it's not an action coming from your own desire to move oh, okay <laughs> which it's, is where the dopamine yeah. comes into it but it's response to a stimulus so the movie it's basically them like what stimulates them from the outside that will cause a reaction because the dopamine comes specifically from you not being able to enact a plan that's come from your own desire to do something or your own plans. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. You borrow the will of the ball. The ball flies out. You got yeah. catch because there's no that, that doesn't require that process of your own body going I want to jump into that, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a it's a reaction okay. rather than intention. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't require motivation effectively yeah. to just react to a, a, a like a very big stimulus. Um, so that's that's the ball thing, and you know it's it's fucking all true yeah, because there really are cool. videos that ball thing. He literally collected them all together in a room and observed them to feel like what is going to make them move, what is going to make them react. And they were catching the balls. I mean, it wasn't exactly in the movie where they're like, Oh God, like they weren't exactly like as glassy eyed, but yes, it's like they all threw balls back and forth to each other. It's all on film. Oh, Oh, that's so cool. They all, they, that is really what happened. And it's like, they're reacting to things they were really abandoned and thought oh well they can't do anything and it was no this is sort of he's starting to theorize like what's causing it and he's starting to put together that it's dopamine like he starts to put together i don't know if it was him or other people this is like extreme form of parkinson's that there's a dopamine problem here but there's possibility of movement coming from a different part of the brain right um 
there's one other topic, which is what's the real story of all the dudes in the the film. Wait, before um, you get into it, though, can we just but check? Before I because... get into it, I was going to say... Yes. Uh, I just want to know why, do you, do you know, do you have a reason for why the L-Dopa didn't continue to work? If it worked for a period, so if he figured out there was a connection with the dopamine and then it's like, okay, so we give the L-Dopa and then that, but then is it the same thing as what you said about the Parkinson's stuff that just over time the degradation continues and eventually the L-Dopa just doesn't work anymore? Or, is, or was it a I case walked- of it was too expensive? No, I'll explain it through the lens of the stories. I think it's better explained. Okay, cool. Because yeah. I've mentioned that there are side effects. Okay. 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 I'm just going to say, sorry, um, my battery is at 6%. So if my, I will just keep going. And then if my phone dies, I'll meet you on Slack. And okay. I apologize to All anyone right. watching. Um, I just, I, I don't, I can't charge and have my headphones in at the same time. And we have to have the headphones for the recording. So I do apologize. Okay, we we yeah. if we if we stop out, we can maybe move to Slack to finish like with yeah. what the fuck or whatever. Okay, yeah, cool. That's All right. right. So, what really happened to them? And then we'll explain why it stopped. I think it's important. The story of Leonard is very accurate. His name was okay. Leonard L in the book. There are some differences. He did spend forty years, but he was reading the whole time. <gasps> oh, that makes me feel so much happier. He was reading the whole time and apparently he read about El Dopa in his readings, just so you know. Oh, that's just, um, sorry. I, it just makes me so happy to know that like at least, at least the real person was able to, was able to read. He I was, was like, just, just, that would just like, like if I could just have that, you know, if I was in that situation. Yeah, he was reading. So now the El Dopa that they um, would receive four times a day, they'd receive it. And between doses, it'd go back to the comatose day by the way so wow. it was four times a day that they would receive it yeah um and they sort of could revert back to comatose state come out revert back and all this sort of thing the side effects were so extreme as i oh. mentioned aggression and all these kinds of things but for him they, and, and for and for others was one of the big ones was hypersexuality a huge sexual appetite which is funny because like the way you know oh. shows him looking at the woman and all that kind yeah. of thing it's so much darker the real it's really much darker in real life um, okay. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, I, I like a nice girl. Like it was like a, a terrible sexual appetite, a lot of aggression and such extreme appetite for food that they would finish the food and they stuff their fingers in their mouth and that sometimes they're serviette in their mouth uh, after finishing their food. Wow. And it was so, not to mention a lot of movement. It was so awful that he opted to go off the medication Okay. He chose, to, and a lot of the patients, well, all, all of them really, ra- rather than to lose their dignity, chose to go off the medication and slip into a comatose state and eventually pass away. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes a lot more sense um, now. Yeah. I mean, it, they do seem to develop like a tolerance to it quickly and no one seems to understand exactly why. Or why it sort of mm. failed to work eventually. Um, but another really interesting story, which was sort of like a different point of view, was Rose. Mm. Rose went into a coma in 1926. She was a flapper, a, co- a coquette. Um, and she came out feeling like she was 21. She's like, I know I'm not, but I feel that I am. Wow. She would sing and dance just like at the film. Mm. She was awake for 10 days. 
And then she said, I don't like this television age. I don't like this television age of yours. I don't feel like I belong here. And she willfully slipped back into a comatose state and there was nothing anybody could do to make any change in her after that. She's like, she chose it. She chose it and she wow. they could not bring her back out of it. And the most incredible thing that Sachs says about this is that there's almost some dignity in that, in mm. maintaining a stoic state by choice. Stoicism, there's dignity in stoicism, he says, which Rose chose to go back into. That's uh, amazing. That's the, that's the end of that's the end of the story. But that's exactly like what you said, the whole like, you know, the time travel thing. I know we're joking about it, but it is. It's all these people, you know, you wake up and it's an entirely different world. You were describing it earlier about how when he was going out and all the things that he missed. And I kept thinking about Blast from the Past. Like being outside and not knowing when, when, like when Christopher Walken comes outside and he's like so confused by, um, you know, he thinks like it's been this like post nuclear war apocalypse thing just because of the way society has has changed. But yeah, it is like yeah, there is that question as well. It's like you come out of it. It's like can you, as you said, do it's the same. Do you know what? It's Shawshank Redemption as well when the guy comes out of prison at the end. Yes. Do you know, it's like, can you live in this world? You, you've you've existed in this other space for such a long time. Will you be happy living in this world? Do you feel like you can survive in it? And yeah, and I guess like if they're the side effects, I mean, how are you actually going to want that in your life? Do you know? I mean, it's one thing about having extreme side effects, but when it's when there's aggression and hypersexuality, that's not a good combination for anybody no so yeah i understand i understand why they would make that decision yeah like there was an extreme movement and some of them were like i'm going i'm you know there's extreme movement but fuck it i'm alive and i think that mm-hmm. when the loss of dignity comes into it it's an entirely different story yeah it's a it's it's like weirdly beautiful this whole thing because mm-hmm. the fact of choice it's like to have the dignity of being shown options and choose something yeah i mean and and what that attention from a caring observer you know can do to to bring out humanity in the patients and give them a choice uh it's beautiful and and I, i know we've definitely spoken about the fact that it isn't just about how long you live it's about the quality or meaning yeah. in it you know patch adams we brought it up it's like it's not about just surviving it's about treating a person um having giving them humanity in their passage out of life giving them dignity yeah. is meaningful even if it results in their death it didn't mean you failed but if you can give somebody dignity then something has won here and i think yeah. that that's like the beauty that emerges from the film i agree yeah, I agree with you. I think that's that's very well put. And yeah. Are we done? We're done. Have it was a really lovely that? movie. And I and I like now from from you telling about the story as well. I like that the changes that they made, I do think are are good for the story of the movie. Do you know, not showing that hypersexuality or aggression or, or things like that uh, but I do like knowing that as you said that the real people made this as a choice that they were given 
that option that that they were able to choose what they wanted rather than how it plays out in the movie which is just that it just doesn't work anymore and they're all gone back into that state and it's like it, that just because that, that made me go okay so but this was the 90s what's happened since then <laughs> Like, or as you said, the story is from the 60s, but the movie was made in 1991. And there's just a little bit at the end that says, like, the doctor's heir kept um, working, blah, 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 I guess they mean sacks. But uh, I was like, I, I, it did, I was kind of like, oh, what? But has anyone done anything about this in the last 30 years? Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> Mara J. Fox. Yeah, I mean, I love that we finished off because we had the time travel. We've got the time travel miniseries. We've talked about Michael J. Fox. Now we have a Parkinson sort of film to yeah. like be like, well, what is it? What, what's going on? And I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get the opportunity to look, to look into the science because mm. I didn't know and now I do. Yeah. All right, let's, let's get into WTF, mate. What the what? fuck? Okay. I did not write a what the fuck. <gasps> I honestly, like, I went through it. Nothing came up. I was, like, fatigued. And I was like, I, I can't think <laughs> of anything. And I'm just not. Because I just I just couldn't. But <laughs> please tell me you have one. So I can. I have one. Maybe. I do have one. Go. Okay. Go. In the meeting, when Leonard is asking very politely and reasonably to be allowed to go out for a walk, Nora... Are you aware of the unconscious hostility you're exhibiting towards us? Fuck you, Nora. Fuck you, Nora. What fucking unconscious and hostility? Also he's like, fuck you, Nora. How can I be aware of it if it's unconscious? And they're like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, the, the, the dude is very reasonable. He's just like, I just want to be able to go out for a freaking walk. And Nora perks up with her bullshit. Um, sorry, unconscious hostility? Like, what are you talking about, lady? Back off. That was, yeah, that was such assholes. That scene was so <laughs> fucking good. The subtlety of his tick and the way the yeah. doctors were like, oh, they were like, hey, now. Mm. All these neurologists were like, yeah. no, you're not going anywhere. I bet yeah. that was so subtle. It was good. And then yeah. he goes, I'm not sure that this is nothing. And then that was very like heartbreaking when he tries to him. go out for a walk afterwards. And then he's just like, I just want to go for a walk. I just want to eat. Like, it is very sad when they pull him back so in. sad. Yeah, but then it was also understandable. You're like, of course you can't go out for a walk on your own, dude. I did have that down at one point. I suppose that is a second, what the fuck, the lack of protocols. The way like he was just kind of like, hey, look, he's fine. Let's bring him out. And he brings him out for like a tour around the Bronx. And I'm just like, you don't know know how this drug is working. What's going to happen? Like You're out on your own with him. (laughs) What are you doing, dude? So, yeah. By the way, I just forgot to mention that IRL, you were like one person and everybody. In real life, he split them down the middle and he gave half of them the drug and half of them a placebo. Oh, okay. So All it right. was a little yeah. bit of scientific method of okay. there was something. There was something <laughs> they didn't on. just go, one works, let's give it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit better than that. I mean, oh, it wasn't God. perfect, but it was fucking something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I loved when he tried to ditch his mom, by the way. Yeah. It was so real. It was so the sweet. The mom was like, I think poor mom. Mom was like, trying to ditch me. Yeah. <laughs> trying to ditch your mom. Yeah. I've been coming for 40 years. Your I've mom. done nothing with my life. I know. Poor and mommy. he's like, yeah, but I want to chase. I wanna, there's a girl. I want to chase the girl. <laughs> oh, I know. When they put the diaper back on him, I was heartbroken. Oh, yeah. Okay. <sighs> 
wrap this right. shit up. Does You're... it pass? This is very hard to do this because it's a real story, so it's very hard. Does it pass the Sam's test? You know, it's it's real. What can I say? But yeah, I, I feel like it doesn't count. It's real. No, yeah. it's re- yeah. It was so yeah. accurate that I don't think we can judge it on that. Yeah. Does no. it pass? Also, science? wait a minute. It, I mean, science. it does because there's <laughs> there's a bunch of women in it. There's loads of women in it. There's all the female patients. There's, loads there's of the female women. nurses. There's like, so I guess like it actually does. Yeah. But like you said, it's real. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. In real life, there are usually a lot of women yeah. in the world. So when the movies are really true to form, guess what? There's lots of women in it because they are around. All yeah. The time. <laughs> They're around mostly. But <laughs> anyway, look. Yeah. They did pick, like, even though Rose was an equally important person in the story, they chose Leonard as the thing because they had this, like, bromance going on as well. So I feel like that they go, let's make it about the two men connecting. Yeah. Even though there are equally famous parts of that that were in the book, but they chose the bro because they had a bro thing happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's okay. All, all G, we don't need to judge it, it's real. But does it yeah. pass the here comes the science? Yes. Sounds Absolutely. like very much so, it really yes. Do. It really does. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't hokey about the way they revealed it. it yeah. They had a little bit of exposition, but, but it was good. I like your point about the earthworm analogy and it kind of sets up mm. the story. That's very clever. There was a bit of subtlety happening. Yeah. Um, but except... <laughs> If you pop the L to the dopa, you get a dopa. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And he interrupts like we need it. a That's story about cameo fuck. in every fucking my movie. My what the fuck? Yeah. This is my what the fuck. The L to the dopa gives the L dopa. Excuse me, professor. Excuse me. And it's like, as I was saying, the L dopa. Like, that was, that was how he interrupts. He just stands up and goes... Okay, let's rate it. Okay. Um, I'm thinking 4.5. That's my score as well. I think it deserves hey. a very high rating. It's a good yeah. movie. The science is accurate. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. 4.5. I, I don't know um, why I'm not giving it 5. It's just the number that, that feels right to me. That's how I do it these days. I just go with whatever number five pops into my head that feels right. The fly. <laughs> <laughs> five is only for the fly someone that i met was like what's the favorite episode to start with and i was like the fly and then i went back and listened to the fly episode and i was like yeah still my favorite the fly five okay right. what is next what's next i'm Abby? super excited about the next one actually because it's been on my list for so long i've had it written and topics picked out not written, but like I, I've had it watched and my stuff picked out for ages. Now, admittedly, it was going to be my next stupid one. But then I watched what my next one was going to be and realized that that's way too freaking stupid. So that has to be the next stupid one. And considering Idiocracy was stupid, but we ended up having such real serious conversations. I picked a movie that's a good movie, but stupid, stupid science. <laughs> so we're doing the core. Oh, I never saw it. <gasps> Have you never seen it? Oh my God, I'm so excited. That's a good choice. It's it's a big smashy bangy movie with dumb science. Great. Like, yeah, good, good choice. I mean, it's a Okey nice, dokies. it's a nice disaster movie, but we don't, we go inside. It's not asteroids. It's not stuff falling. Like it was that age, you know, it was like a, a freaking Armageddon. It's not, and, it's uh, not the deep masculine impact. pokey pokey. 
it's not the phallic disaster of pokey pokey into the earth we go in it's more female so I, yeah that's my that's my reading on that um okay. sorry uh, not sorry okay. uh we're gonna no. wait for you to watch the movie and see the the drill the drill oh yeah okay. and then and then we can okay. come back to your concept of phallic or not Good point. We drill into the earth with a big phallic object this time. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Anyways, moving on. So there you have it. The core coming up in two weeks. Excellent. And that was Awakenings. We have three reviews that we read out. We want more reviews. Please leave us a review. Please leave us a review because you know what? It motivates us to keep going because it is impressive because we do work full-time as physicists and we do make a lot of content. You're welcome. Okay, TikTok at science at the movies. You can email us science at the movies at gmail.com for any recommendations. Or on Instagram at science at the movies too. That's it. See you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.